Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to The Breakdown, an everyday analysis breaking down the most important stories in Bitcoin, crypto, and beyond with your host, NLW. The Breakdown is distributed by Coindesk. Welcome back to The Breakdown's end of year extravaganza. So every day between now and New Year's, instead of a normal episode, I'll be posting at least one interview with an interesting thinker, doer, operator, investor, etc. in the crypto or Bitcoin space, asking them two questions. One, what was the most important story or narrative of 2019? And two, what's one prediction for 2020? It's an amazing group of people that we have here, and I think a really fun way to think back and look back on the year that was and, and maybe look forward to the year that's about to start. And so today, we're going to kick it off with Peter McCormick. Most of you know Peter McCormick. He's a very successful podcaster behind the What Bitcoin Did podcast. Uh, this year, he launched the Defiance podcast, uh, which is a, a lot of what we talk about is the emergence and really the crescendo of citizen action and the fight for sovereignty and how that overlaps with Bitcoin. Uh, so it's a really, really fun little interview. I hope you enjoy it. And if you like it, subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the upcoming uh, end of year breakdown episodes as well. With that, let's kick it over and let's start the interview with Peter McCormick from What Bitcoin Did. All right. I am talking with Peter McCormick, the uh, undisputed podcaster of 2019, I think. It's got to be said. You had a monster year, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's been a very good year. I feel very blessed, actually, with it all. Um, it's kind of a weird one, actually, the way it's uh, everything's kind of planned out because, well, there was no plan. <laughs> you know, this was all an accident. So, uh, yeah, no, thank you. And uh, it's good to get to know you after the last kind of, I don't even know how long it is now, what, year or two? Yeah, a couple years, couple years. I mean, I think one of the things that's been my favorite to see uh, with you as well, Peter, is like the you know when we when we first talked, part of what we connected around was I think the ideas that have now been um, turned into what you're doing with defiance. Right, it was a lot of the caring about the bigger picture stuff and not the smaller stuff. So it was super exciting for me to see you actually get get that up and running and have Kraken supported and be able to to really go at it in a big way, not just kind of as a sideshow thing. Yeah, that's been very cool. And that's, that's been you know, one of the most interesting things for me is trying to position myself or consider myself beyond just, you know, the best way to say it is that having this imposter syndrome, which I still have, 
um yeah it's a very weird place to be in but but also then trying to take myself a little bit more seriously and say okay there's something going on here and i can i can really work at this really enjoy it and, and I'm, i am finding that with defiance now it's kind of like it's given me this new this new kind of sense of uh kind of belief in what i can actually go out and create so yeah thank you for recognizing that yeah, I love it. Well, let's uh, let's dive in. So, as I was saying to you, um, one of the ways that I'm celebrating the end of the year is I'm asking uh, people whose opinions I respect two questions, right? So, it's kind of like a micro interview. And the first one is, um, what do you think was the narrative or the story of 2019? What was the big thing that when the history books are written about this industry, they'll they'll point to for this year? Well, so I thought about this a lot, and it would be very easy to just say bear market. But the problem with just saying bear market itself in itself is a kind of a dull story. So, you know, it, it's a little bit cliche for me to do this having defiance as uh, the show as a show that I do. But for me, I think one of the defining stories of 2019, and I'll, I'll tie it back into Bitcoin, is, is actually... If you remember, I can't remember the actual uh, year of the Arab Spring, but a few years back we had the Arab Spring... Well, kind of the the uprising uh, on Twitter, which we followed on Twitter across a number of Arab countries. I kind of feel like this has been almost like the global version of that this year. You know, we've had mm-hmm. everything that's happened in Hong Kong, everything that's happened in. You had the Yellow Jackets in France. We've seen, you know, uh, we've seen things happening in Libya. We've seen seen things happening even in even in Iraq now. Uh, we've had it in Chile. We've had it in Bolivia, where I'm off to in a few days. You know, we've we've seen this uprising uh, from people who've kind of fed up, kind of fed up at the status quo, not not trusting their governments, not trusting, you know, the the institutions of their own country. And that, for me, potentially, I think when you talk about looking back when the history books are written, looking back. If we're tying this back into Bitcoin, you know, we often talk about Bitcoin as this opportunity as a kind of escape from the state to separate money from state. It's kind of a vote out, you know, this decentralized world. I think perhaps if over the next years Bitcoin does continue to grow and does actually deliver on what people have said in terms of separating money from state, we might look back at 2019 and say, well, this was the start. This was the start of it. This was, this was when we had negative yields, negative interest rates. This is where we had, um, you know, crazy amounts of borrowing from, from Western governments. This is where we had, you know, the, the rising up of the people. And I, I think perhaps this could be the start of it all. I think over the next, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen next year, but I think over the next five to 10 years, it's going to be particularly interesting. But I think in 20 years time, this is going to be a very different world we live in. Amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think for me, that's, uh, I, I, I think we talked about this actually when, when I was on your podcast, but I was a history major. And so I spent a lot of my time looking at those big patterns. And I do think that we're, it feels like, um, a crescendoing moment in a pattern of history that does go back a ways, right? And it's 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 one of the things that makes Bitcoin so fascinating, even just from the kind of historian's perspective, is how it how it maps to that to that growing sense of unease uh, and actually provides a provides a, an exit path, you know, or or at least a, an alternative. So couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, and I guess Can with I that, throw that's second, yeah, absolutely. I just want to throw in also an unsung hero. I mean, a lot of people do know him and recognize him. You know him, and he's a friend of mine. Is Alex Gladstein, but I feel like he is the connection 
that's going to make a lot mm-hmm. of this happen. He is the, you know, he is possibly the best speaker I know within, certainly within the space. Uh, you know, as people talk about Andreas Antonopoulos watching every one of his videos, I watch every single presentation Alex Gladstein d- does. The, the conviction he has in his presentations where his disdain for kind of totalitarian regimes and, and uh, dictatorships while at the same time pushing forth the, the power and the benefits of Bitcoin and, and Lightning Network, it, for me, it, it's really incredible. And whilst a lot of us know know him, I think we will look back and see him as one of the unsung heroes. I mean, unsung might be not, not the right word, but I, th- I think you know where I'm getting at because he is the bridge between both of these worlds. Yeah, I think the thing that's interesting about Alex is that he uh, he's one of the few people who has come into Bitcoin specifically uh, over the last couple of years from a an orthogonal related space, but found something that he needs for his work. Right? He doesn't mm-hmm. care about crypto a priori because he's interested in it or because he was a you know a, a, an economist or like he 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 doesn't come into it uh, for professional interests except in so far. Is that in his interest in his professional work regarding human rights, he found this thing that he thinks can be a powerful tool. And I think that gives him a really unique perspective because there's a lot of us who um, are interested in some, some parts of the of the, the same world that he is, right? Like, again, we, you and I talked mm-hmm. about this. This is my background as well in some ways is uh, more in the human rights global impact space than it is even in technology. Um, and I found my way into, into crypto as well. However, I was still coming from a tech perspective and I was still looking at it through a technology lens. He really... Uh, you know, it exists to advance this kind of global mission and found that uh, Bitcoin and, and uh, can be a tool. And I think that that's really, um, it's unfortunately unique, but I, but I think right now, it's, I think it's maybe the first of something that we're going to see a lot more. Yeah. So one of the interesting things there is that, you know, me and Alex have spent a lot of time with each other at different events uh, over the last year. And, you know, when we're at a Bitcoin event, you know, he's come into that with his kind of viewpoint from the world of human rights and censorship and, you know, dictatorships and oppression and censorship. And he comes with that perspective. And I don't think people often in the Bitcoin world can really understand truly how these tools should help people. The, the un- they understand it can, but they don't understand how to actually deliver it. And then I'll go to say, I went to the Oslo Freedom Forum with him in you know, Norway and also another one of their events in Taiwan. And I can come at it with a bit more of kind of like experience and understanding of Bitcoin and see how these people need it, but they don't fully understand why they need it. And there's, like I say, there's this kind of bridge in the middle where I think this is why Alex and I have spent so much time together. I mean, I don't know how much you know about him, but he he pretty much helped me craft Defiance. He wrote the manifesto. And I feel like for me, that's been a really important relationship that I've built with him so that, i mean let's go that does that what does it make you think about 2020 do you think we're going to see more of that bridges so uh, you know the, the the patent question that i was asking people is what is uh, you know what's one prediction for 2020 but you know if even if you have that and it's something different like it feels like that bridge building is something that we're seeing more of now uh and, and i hope that that continues but what's, what's your perspective on that so again so my original uh, 2019 kind of narrative view wasn't about the human rights side of things. It was actually, it was uh, a maximalism versus multi-coin world, which itself to, I find really fascinating in that there's this group of people who fundamentally believe and can argue in a very rational and technical way why Bitcoin is the only sensible use of a blockchain. And it's entirely rational. And yet you have this other group of people who fundamentally believe that the blockchain technology can do so many other things and can offer a rational and reasonable explanation why. And I find that really fascinating, these these two worlds go at each other. But 
I didn't. It wasn't the beginning enough narrative for me, but it does carry through to what I think will happen in 2020. Whereas I do think we are going to see see a massive bleed out and dying of most of these projects because one of the big problems they have. This, let's say, with smart contract platforms, is that there really isn't much desire, need, or adoption. And I think that's down for a number of reasons. I, I, I don't think. I don't think the use case is there for programmer more money yet. I just don't think there is a need in the in the big money corporate world. And I think eventually what's going to be a problem for most of these projects is they're going to run out of runway. They're going to run out of the money and the ability to deliver these things. And and the other thing is I don't think there is this massive demand for decentralization. Whilst we can understand and rationalize the benefits of decentralization, there really isn't a massive human demand for it. And that's what I think one of the problems is. So what I think will happen for me, the big prediction of 2020 is that we will continue to see Bitcoin grow. And I think we'll continue to see, uh, I think the bear market for the, the alts will be a lot longer. I mean, it might have a spurt supported by Bitcoin, but I still think that most of these alts are going to struggle with adoption. And that's going to be a good thing for Bitcoin because Bitcoin will just continue to go from strength to strength. I mean, if you compare like just the currencies, you know, Bitcoin has institutional grade products. It has institutional uh, uh, custody. It has uh, derivatives. You know, it's fully embedded within the the kind of legacy world. No, no other uh, cryptocurrency has even managed to do that. And I think that's very telling. So for me, 2020, and I, it's kind of a hope as well. And I, I don't mean to just be a negative maximalist. You know, I hate everything. I kind of want a lot of this stuff to bleed out because, because most of it's unnecessary. And most of it's actually a massive distraction. I mean, I get distracted by it myself, Nathaniel. I get into the, into the war zone and the battles about it, which is a total waste of, total waste of time. Um, but, uh, but I, I just kind of want it all this useless stuff to go away and people to focus on building stuff that actually will make the world a better place. You know, it's interesting. Um, so in the uh, middle of this year, when the price of Bitcoin surged, uh, W1 said that it was a Bitcoin bull disguising an altcoin bear, which stuck with me. I thought that was a really interesting way to put it. Um, yeah. And I think that we've, you know, we've seen a little bit of that. I mean, even you could you could even get into dissecting, I think, where uh, where different altcoins are and what's happening there. But I think that, you know, the, the practical reality, I think that almost regardless of your philosophical position on this. I do think that we will see more of the question of actual resources running out, right? You have a lot of projects who were able to raise money in 2017 and early 2018, who by virtue and dint only of good treasury management uh, have been able to keep building, you know, and, and that's fine. You know, that's, that's, that's great. But at some point, um, they'll either have to go back to the well or, or it'll go on. So it's going to be interesting. I think, uh, I think there's also regulatory questions that could come, but I, so just to, to sum up though, I think, uh, further, it sounds like your prediction is further separation of, uh, Bitcoin from everything else. Um, and perhaps, you know, more, more troubled waters for, for the everything else. Yeah. And the way you talk about that separation is very interesting because one of the things I've been wrestling with, Nathaniel, is that, you know, my show went Bitcoin only for a number of reasons. And I'm really glad it did because I really had a focus. I've actually considered to the point of, so one of the interesting things about getting into the trenches and arguing with people this year is that a bunch of people have unfollowed me. And actually, I'm starting to think it would make a lot more sense to me if my feed was really only with Bitcoin people and I really could just cut out all this Ethereum and altcoin and uh, crypto nonsense, you know, because it's just, it is a total distraction. I would much rather my feed now is dominated by Bitcoin, human rights, censorship, freedom, maybe a little bit of rock and roll. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I think that one of the weird things about this industry right now is that it is a bunch of things that are um, nominally related, but but potentially have their own path that are, uh, they're still kind of all lumped together. And, uh, you know, it's not a perfect analogy, but one one thing that I do find, so I was, um, I was deep in the social entrepreneurship, social impact movement around 2006 to 2010, call it. And social entrepreneurship as a concept, this idea of business for good has been around for a lot longer than that, but it was popularized as this term where instead of building nonprofits, people were going to build social enterprises, right? And that really had a had a had another one of these crescendo moments at that time. But it's interesting because what happened is that like all of these different things were lumped together, every different thing that social business could impact. But you started to see things really break out and become their own areas, right? So microfinance was so such a huge portion of activity as compared to you know random other things. Uh, education technology just became its own subcategory of you know technology that had viable business models and that people liked. And then of course there was you know global uh, global climate change type stuff and just you know energy technologies and alternative energy. And so all of a sudden you had this social entrepreneurship in quotes movement that really wasn't a, a movement. It was a bunch of now like totally immature industries plus a bunch of areas that had matured into their own things. And it really kind of stopped making sense as its own category. Now, it's come back 10 years later as uh, ESG is what the, the investing term. They used to call it like double bottom line, triple bottom line back then. So it's it's reconnected a little bit in the world of finance. But it, it reminds me of this industry only insofar as you're going to start to see, you know, at least Bitcoin as this separate, separate uh, thing that has broken out in terms of its viability, in terms of you know whatever. We don't have to rehash the arguments. And the question is, which of these other things, if any, will will also break out? But as they do, they'll probably mature into their own thing as well, right? If DeFi actually turns into what everyone hopes, and it doesn't crater, and it doesn't kind of have some systemic implosion, well, it's gonna, it's not going to want to be associated with Tezos either. You know what I mean? And if Tezos breaks out and becomes actually this thing where, you know, real estate platforms can uh, tokenize themselves, well, then it's not going to want to be associated with, you know, and and so on, the list goes on. So I think part of we're, we're in kind of like this accident of history moment where we're all lumped together in the same room because it's the only room we've been allowed. But now a, a lot of people are trying to go go off and have their own meetings. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I agree. And actually, I think it will make everything a little bit healthier. You know, I constantly battle with myself and my own kind of use of time and use of resources and energy, you know, getting in the trenches and discussing Bitcoin versus, you know, uh, Ethereum, et cetera. And actually, you know, I often come to the conclusion, this is just a complete waste of time and energy. So I I guess my own personal narrative for next year will be just more focus. I like it. Well, listen, if you focus on what you've been doing and more of what you've been doing, particularly with Defiance, I'm, uh, I'm very here for it. So thank you so much for, for all the work that you do and for your time today. Anytime, Nathaniel. You, uh, you've become a good friend over the last couple of years, so if I can ever help you, just let me know. Appreciate it. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.